Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. It's a new name. It's the same Yahoo Fantasy Football analysis that you love. I'm Scott Pianowski, one of uh, five Yahoo hosts who've been steering you through the season. We're going to have a bunch of different guests from the industry in August. And today we're going to talk quarterbacks. It's actually positional preview week at Yahoo. And uh, I got the quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, and tight ends will follow later in the week. And we are lucky to have TJ Hernandez, the DFS director at 4 for 4 Football, one of the sharpest minds in the fantasy industry. And you can follow him on Twitter at TJ Hernandez. We're going to pick his brain today about all things quarterback. Mr. Hernandez, how are you? Scott, what's up, buddy? Thanks for having me. Uh, excited to be on. You and I, uh, I probably talk to you as much as anybody on Twitter. And this is the first time we've officially connected somehow. So I'm, I'm pretty stoked about this one. Yeah, I've been looking forward to this conversation for a while. And um, what what better better timing than to get people ready for their drafts right in the teeth of draft season. Uh, as you know, you can draft, uh, set up your league, draft on Yahoo Fantasy. That's open for business. So So jump in there get a bunch of leagues and uh, let's have some fun this year. Today we're talking about quarterback and before we go through all sorts of things, our picks, our pans, our targets, all sorts of different things. I always tell people when they get into fantasy football, like, and they say, you know, they're, they're new to it and they say, Oh, I need tips. You know what, what's going on here. And I, I say, well, the, one of the first things you have to reconcile is that in the real NFL, the quarterback is everything. If you don't mm-hmm. have a quarterback, you know, your team doesn't really have any upside. And in fantasy, of the four major positions, it feels like quarterback is the least important. Uh, how, how do you feel about that? Should we be making rule changes to address that? Are you are a super flex guy. Do you think we should change the scoring for quarterbacks? You just accept that as just a, you know the two things are a little bit different. No, I, I accept that as different. I mean, I've heard tons of people um, suggest different types of rule changes, whether it be scoring to expand rosters. Uh, and I mean, trying to teach people from a DFS perspective, which I focus on, but do a ton of redraft and best ball, obviously, like no matter how you set up fantasy football, we're still going to be applying points to this arbitrary system and we're going to figure out ways to exploit it um right now it just happens to be that the most exploitable uh at least in classic redraft is the single quarterback type draft but the fact is like we're in this bubble where there's a lot of people that are really sharp i still play in home leagues i still help friends with casual leagues probably still over 90 percent, maybe 95 who knows how many there's still people that are spending too much on quarterbacks. We look at ADPs, which we'll get into right now. They're still too early. I think uh, from a relative standpoint, like it's getting sharper. Uh, 
quarterbacks are going later and I think quarterbacks are going more in the right order than we've seen in the past, but um, I, I'm fine with it. Uh, the, it's still the, the bread and butter of the fantasy industry. And I think we need to uh, address that and continue to give out the information uh, to help exploit that. Cause there are a lot of people that aren't doing it right still. Now I'm a big fan of the super flex format, but for the primary part of this conversation, let's just assume somebody is playing in a one quarterback league and the, the very basic, the sort of location, 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 always be closing one-on-one strategy with quarterbacks and fantasy has been, look, just wait. Yeah. There's so many good ones. The position is overstocked. Even if you miss on your pick, you can probably pick up a good guy. Uh, some people would argue in a, a 10 or 12 team league with no trouble streaming, pick up different quarterbacks. And then somebody else might say, well, 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 wait a minute. Two years ago, Patrick Mahomes you know, blew up the league. He was the MVP. Last year, Lamar Jackson was that guy. If we had to boil down your quarterback strategy just in a you know, fortune cookie length or tweet length, um, you know, bite sized piece of advice, what is the TJ Hernandez wisdom when it comes to drafting quarterbacks? I would say um, exploit the public. Uh, the the late round quarterback strategy um, has gained popularity, uh, but like I said, there's still quarterbacks going way too early. We'll get into some of these specifics, but I, I, I can't justify any quarterback going in the first three or four rounds. Um, and that happens almost every year. But on the other extreme, the late round quarterback strategy, I think people have taken it too far. It doesn't mean be the last person to draft a quarterback in your league. It doesn't mean to play a game of chicken. Every player has a value. And at a certain point, the opportunity co- uh, cost starts to fall off a cliff. Uh, we've seen some studies uh, across the industry. JJ Zacharyson just did one recently that kind of showed like that roughly like that eighth round is where uh, you can really start thinking about it just because you're not getting like those league winning running backs and wide receivers. And, I think that's kind of where you should be looking at it. Like if you're in a league with, even if it's half really sharp players and half casual players, the half sharp players are going to push down those players ADP. So being the seventh or eighth guy to draft a quarterback in your league, if you're getting him in the 10th or 11th round, that's fine. I mean, look at Lamar last year. He got pushed up to the ninth round as a quarterback 11 league winner. But if you waited to be the last one, you're playing a game of chicken, you didn't get him. You mentioned Mahomes two years earlier. uh, He was going as the 10th quarterback in the league uh, or 10th round, kind of like as a 12th or 13th quarterback. A couple years earlier, uh, Cam Newton flirted with QB one numbers, drafting as the QB 10. Russ actually finished as the QB one, but they were pretty close there. So um, yes, you can stream and we will get into that, but uh, it it doesn't mean like you're going into your draft expecting to stream. Streaming should, for every position, should be a fallback strategy. Like we still want to be able to draft the player that's going to crush the league and uh, being drafting the last player at the position, sometimes you're, you're not often going to find that guy that late. I think you hit on a really key part of quarterback strategy. I like to play the value game at quarterback, but still take a quarterback who I think has a top five mm-hmm. range of outcomes that's reasonable. For a lot of years, it's been Russell Wilson. For a lot of years, it's been Dak Prescott. I, I like to take somebody who I, who I think, again, can finish really high up on the board who, for whatever reason, maybe isn't in that first-tier price range. And, and we'll get to some of those guys in a minute. I don't think we need to spend too much time on Mahomes and Jackson, but because they're the – one, two on everybody's list. Some people do play it in, in hybrid formats. I'm curious if you have a preference to Mahomes or Jackson. I don't think in a one quarterback league I'm going to be drafting these guys because they're just they're mm-hmm. not getting out of the second round or maybe early third round in the leagues that I've been in. And I, I'm just I'm not going to pay that price. But uh, do you have a preference in either one of those guys? And what would it take for you to draft one of them? 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, for me to draft one of them, I, I'm going to have to be in a super flex league. Like that's the only way I'm ever getting them. Um, I'm playing a ton of best ball right now um, on Yahoo and on other platforms. Uh, so I do force a couple shares here and there. And like some of these big tournaments we've seen, seen across the industry, that's where I will have them because you want to be stacking teams, but that's kind of outside the scope of, of this conversation. Um, as, as far as addressing like how I view them, I'm probably in the minority in thinking that um, they're, there's kind of two tiers in the top six or seven, but mine is Patrick Mahomes and everybody else. I think everybody else kind of has Mahomes, Jackson, and then everybody else. Um, I mean, I don't know how deep we're going to get into these guys, but I, I do a article every year on on touchdown regression and, and touchdown expectation. I expanded it out this year. Uh, Lamar Jackson, like touchdown expectation. If you look at where all of his passes came from in traditional scoring rates, uh, historically, he was expected to throw like somewhere in the 21, 22 touchdown range. He threw 36. So regardless of like where you think he's going to land in terms of like his actual, uh, median touchdown, uh, rate, which like the highest in history is 6% Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers, his, even if his, comes down to that he's looking at like 26 or 27 touchdowns last year he just played way over his head is the point and even if he uh like keeps his rushing but doesn't fare as well in the touchdowns over there like you could draft him as a quarterback one he could put up these great numbers give you this great floor and like if he finishes as the quarterback two or three you're still mad that you drafted him in the second round whereas the chiefs i think they're just like they can be that historical offense they have the weapons they're built to score like to have a team that scores 60 touchdowns or just the ravens were a 50 touchdown team last year but uh i mean i think that was more lightning in a bottle than what we can see with the chiefs long term you hit on a lot of key points there. I mean, I like the setup for Jackson. Mm-hmm. I'm a Greg Roman fan. I yeah, think he has too. good pieces around him. But Patrick Mahomes has the the toy chest. Yeah. You know, he's got Andy Reid, who who is you know the best or, or second best play designer probably in the league right now. And just the team speed is ridiculous. Tyreek Hill and McCole Hardman and Sammy Watkins is like an afterthought in this offense. And, right. Uh, maybe part of that is on Watkins, but uh, Travis Kelsey, of course, is is a stud at tight end. They just drafted a first round running back in Clyde Edwards Hilaire. People who are excited about who's going to catch the ball. I just feel like how can you go wrong in this offense? And you know, I like that Mahomes can run if he needs to, but he doesn't rely on it. You know, with yep. Jackson. You always have to worry that maybe they'll pull back the reins. They'll say, hey, look, you know, we, we need you on the field. We'd rather you run for 500 or 700 yards rather than 1,000. You know, get out of bounds, get down on the ground, that type of thing. I, I just feel like the, the setup, the floor for Mahomes is so much higher. than Again, I'm not, I'm not going to have a lot of investment here, but I agree with you that Mahomes would be number one on my board. And if I was in a league that prioritized quarterback or, or allowed you to play too, then, then maybe Mahomes is somebody – I could get behind. But other, other than that, I'm probably going to be shopping at different parts of the market, and that's totally fine. I look at the next three quarterbacks in expert consensus rank, Dak Prescott, Russell Wilson, and Kyler Murray. And even though I like all three of these players, I get a little bit nervous. I feel QB3 is buying Dak at the high end of his range, and that's just something mm-hmm. I'm, I'm reflexively I don't like to do. I've always been a huge Russell Wilson fan, but we know sometimes it seems like he's battling against Brian Schottenheimer. seems like well, how many times we've we seen the same Seattle game, right? They play like dirt for a half and then Wilson <laughs> yeah. has like 11 attempts. Yeah. And the second half, they just throw the keys to Wilson and say, OK, win the game for us, make it up, figure it out. And he does that he kind of pulled back from the running element of his game. Mm-hmm. It's, it's interesting. I mean, I want my quarterback to run and have a, a path to maybe three to five rushing t- touchdowns, maybe 400 rushing yards. I'd prefer they don't run more aggressively than that, although maybe I shouldn't be afraid of that. In the case of Murray, look, look, I, I get it. 
Kingsbury. They just got Hopkins. They have an exciting offense. They spread the field. It's really fun to watch Arizona. And they seem like a team with the arrow pointing upward. But when I see him settling in a quarterback five right now, I wonder if, look, Mahomes had the sophomore breakout MVP two years ago. Last year, it was Jackson. I wonder if people have a feeling with Murray of like, hey, I've seen this movie before, the sophomore breakout. Again, quarterback five, I think they're just buying him at the high end of the range. So you know, for me, Prescott, I thought was a great value several years in the past. I, quarterback three is a little bit too pricey for me. Uh, if you can get Wilson as a seventh, eighth quarterback, that's kind of a sweet spot for me. But right now, maybe that's not that realistic. I think maybe Murray is getting a little bit too much juice because of what Mahomes and Jackson just did. How do you feel about these three guys? So uh, Wilson, Prescott, and Murray, you're, you're going to have a lot of um, uh, variation from league to league in terms of where those guys go. Three to five, I think they're kind of interchangeable, um, just depending on on who's drafting in your league. Uh I kind of look at this the way I look at like a um, like an ambiguous running back committee situation. Just give me the cheapest guy. Uh, mm-hmm. I think there are there are, and we'll get into other guys here. A lot of people are going to say six. I say there's seven quarterbacks that have the overall quarterback one in their range of outcomes. And one of the really unique things about this season, and kind of going back to our conversation about waiting on quarterback, and you touched on the quarterback rushing. Like we have seven guys that can be second in rushing assume behind Lamar Jackson, assuming Lamar, even if Lamar rushes like 110 times uh, or 120 dials it back that much, he's still probably going to lead all quarterbacks in rushing. But we have seven guys that could legit rush at 75 times. And if you add that to the offenses that they're in, we have seven guys that can go for 30 passing touchdowns, five rushing touchdowns. That's only happened eight times since 1997 where uh, the quarterback won. One was the quarterback two in fantasy. And all of a sudden we could just have this outlier year where like multiple guys can hit that number. So why draft the QB three when the QB six has that 35 potential? Um, so, I mean, if I do want one of those top five guys, give me the last one. Russell Wilson is the one that you're going to to trust the most um, just because we've seen him do it over and over. And Brian Schottenheimer gets a lot of heat because of how much Seahawks run the ball um, and he's he's nowhere near Greg Roman and and I think Brian DeBall is actually trending towards Greg Roman I actually like how Brian DeBall's been uh, running the Bills offense and 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 building up Josh Allen but Brian Schottenheimer are similar to those guys in that although he doesn't throw that much when he does he throws the deep ball and Russell Wilson has been uh, arguably the most efficient deep ball passer in the league that's where he makes up for um, that lack of volume and obviously I mean you mentioned his legs like he still rushed for 75 times last sure. 75 times last year like Give me any quarterback that's going to break that like 60, 65 rush threshold. And that's a lot of upside. And I also think people need to recognize that sometimes when Wilson doesn't have the raw pass attempt volume, part of that is because his elite efficiency mm-hmm. is limiting his ability to throw. You know, he, He's doing so well with 36 passes. He doesn't need to throw 45 passes. Right. So sometimes that can be a b- little bit misleading. Uh, as I look at the next three quarterbacks in ECR, uh, expert consensus ranking, Deshaun Watson, Josh Allen, and Matt Ryan. What's interesting to me is, is as you look at this top eight, is that seven of the eight quarterbacks have rushing value. Matt Ryan is the mm-hmm. only one who's a strictly pocket quarterback. And like there are some advantages to that. You would think Ryan's odds of playing a full season are very good, but you know, he's not going to run in touchdowns. He's I mean, he looks like a fish out of water when he even tries to scramble for a yard or two. It's just not in his skill set. 
In the case of Watson, he obviously lost Hopkins. I don't think anybody really trusts Bill O'Brien. They have a lot of new receivers coming into this offense. Brandon Cooks came over. Randall Cobb came from Dallas, uh, maybe being fitted with new contact lenses. (laughs) I wonder how much they'll be. I, I know this has been talked about to death, and maybe it's been overplayed, but I mean, we're in a very unusual off season and reps are going to be down. There's not going to be any preseason football. I just wonder if Watson can overcome what's in front of him. I love him as a player. I don't think I'll be drafting a lot of Watson. I think Josh Allen needs to keep a healthy share of the, t- the rushing touchdowns in Buffalo. He's still, I think, more athlete than quarterback to me. And I, and I think it's kind of funny that they went out and got Stephon Diggs, a very precise route runner, who I don't think really matches well with the type of player Josh Allen is. But, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I, th- I think I'm more likely to draft Diggs next year. He probably won't be on my draft board this year. But with Allen, if you're drafting him, I think you're saying, OK, I think he's still going to be their de facto goal linebacker. I'm going to have a lot of Ryan because I I talked about last week in our initial podcast with uh, Ian Hartitz. I talked about some carnivals, you know, the teams that don't have good defenses. I, I like that they have a narrow usage tree of, of a couple of stud receivers, mostly an indoor schedule, a favorable weather schedule. I, I don't put a ton of stock in that, but it's just a nice little feather at the at the bottom of the cap there. So I think I'm going to have a lot of boring Matt Ryan this year. I'm scared off Watson because of O'Brien, the new receivers, even though he's a terrific player. I'm not really sure what to do with Allen because I don't think Diggs is going to hit the ground running there. But, I mean, if Allen can run in six to eight touchdowns, obviously that's mana from Mm -hmm. the gods for fantasy. What do you think about Watson, Allen, and Ryan? Um, Watson, I I am pretty bullish on uh, Watson and Allen. Anybody that follows me on Twitter knows I'm head over heels for Allen. But I've actually – Watson's been growing on me a little bit. We've seen him and Fuller have an amazing connection. Obviously, Mm -hmm. the concern with Fuller is his health. But even if you get 11 games out of Fuller, like he's been one of the best uh, deep threat receivers in the league. And uh, Deshaun Watson, I mean, say what you will about him being in Bill O'Brien's offense. Obviously, he uh, has DeAndre Hopkins there uh, for the last couple years. But since coming into the league, second in fantasy points per game amongst quarterbacks behind only Patrick Mahomes. That obviously takes into Lamar Jackson's rookie year, so really he'd he'd probably be third if we just look at Lamar Jackson last year. But the point is, Deshaun Watson's been an elite fantasy quarterback uh, with with what a lot of people would say restraints of a Bill O'Brien offense. And now he gets Brandon Cooks, who I think people are... are a little bit underrating the upside that he could add to this offense. I mean, going back to 2015, uh, wide receivers with at least 400 targets. Cooks is one of nine with at least 8.5 yards per target and a touchdown rate over 5%. Maybe he fell off a cliff last year. Those cumulative concussions are catching up to him. Or maybe he was just an offense that wasn't really complimenting what he did. I mean, Jared Goff wants to hit Robert Woods and Cooper Cup on some of those uh, shorter and intermediate routes and not stretch it out uh, with Cooks. And Sean Watson's the perfect quarterback to do that uh josh allen on the other hand he's the only quarterback besides lamar jackson with over 100 rushes last year and i agree with you on Diggs. i don't know if he's going to hit the ground running uh probably not drafting a lot of Diggs and redraft but i do think Diggs really helps this offense from a real perspective like i mentioned brian DeBall's really let josh allen throw the ball downfield since coming into the league uh and while he hasn't been accurate he does uh Diggs does give allen another deep threat next to john john brown who was uh sixth in in target share on passes of 15 or more yards. Basically, Josh Allen was only throwing to John Brown deep. Now he has two guys to help him stretch the field, uh, maybe take a little pressure off him, give those DBs and safeties a little more confusion. Uh, and he's the quarterback that I put in that same tier as those other quarterbacks to quarterback twos that have that QB1 upside. Um, Matt Ryan, it's be, because I get Matt Ryan, I get 
the like the shootout potential in their defense. My problem with Matt Ryan is like I'm going to draft him as as the eighth quarterback off the board and then feel compelled to start him if he doesn't pan out, not want to drop him. And he's probably going to be fine, but I just don't know if he's going to he has like the top three upside not because he's not good and not because the offense isn't good, but because all of these other quarterbacks ahead of him are multidimensional. So after I get to the Josh Allen, I'd almost rather then that's the point where I'm going to wait and maybe be the last guy to take a quarterback if I don't get one of those top seven guys. Would you consider a a fantasy quarterback having some rushing upside or rushing component to his game a mandatory requirement for drafting somebody now um just because the the league has changed so much even in the past two years like if we take uh lamar jackson even out of the equation last year it was still the second highest uh total rushes from the quarterback position since 2002 the top six uh fantasy quarterbacks last year all had uh they averaged 53 rushing attempts that was the floor uh for the pat for the uh previous um previous 10 seasons so like it was a mix of quarterbacks that rushed and didn't rush before last year or before the year before making up that elite tier now the elite tier just there's just so many quarterbacks that that make up the uh the multifaceted quarterback, similar to like the top running back to you right now. If you don't have a running back that can't catch, he just doesn't have top three upside in his game. And a quarterback doesn't rush. So many quarterbacks are doing it that if they don't, you're not going to reach that elite tier anymore. Yeah. I think a big part of Watson, his value this year would be if he either connects with cooks or he connects with Will Fuller. And a lot of people I know are just going to say, Hey, Will Fuller has been hurt so many times. Mm -hmm. I've been burned by this guy. Do you think, the industry gets it or, or just fancy players in general get it wrong with Fuller with, where maybe we should be focusing on, look, this guy could, is a blow up weak player. Mm-hmm. He, he can win a DFS contest for you if he smashes in the right week. We, we've seen that before. Multiple touchdown games from him. You know, wide receiver one weeks for him. I mean, the wide receiver one, not a wide receiver right. one. Do we? Is it wrong to look at Will Fuller and see the downside? Should we just be focusing on, hey, it's, it's round six, round seven. That upside is pretty good. And, and you know, again, that ties to what Watson's value would be. Yeah, sometimes, I mean, sometimes around eight, I think he's going off the board as like a fringe wide receiver three, early wide receiver four. I mean, even if you, we don't even have to look at his whole injury history. If he played 16 games last year alone, people would be forgetting about the injuries. He'd probably be going in the third round. And the thing you have to think about with not just with Will Fuller, with any player, you're not taking a zero when, if and when he's hurt. You're still hopefully drafting properly, only drafting one quarterback, one tight end, one defense, one kicker, and loading up on running backs and wide receivers, like building in um, some robustness into your lineup so that if and when someone does get hurt, you have at least some kind of replacement level to put in. So even if you're getting, like you said, uh, Will Fuller has overall wide receiver one upside every single week. So even if you, like I said, 11 or 12 games out of him, he might be the reason that like, even if he's not available for the playoffs, he might be the reason that you're the one seed and get a buy. Like that's worth it to me. You know, the, the next five quarterbacks as we go down a tier, common thread here. They're they're mostly veteran quarterbacks who don't mm-hmm. run. There's a lot of future Hall of Famers on this list. There's a lot of MVP awards on this list. Drew Brees, right now ECR quarterback nine. Carson Wentz, who, who probably had an MVP to, to be won until he got hurt in December a few years ago. Quarterback 10, Matthew Stafford was playing some unbelievable football for about half of last season. Then he got hurt. He's quarterback 11. 
Uh, Tom Brady, who's even older, older than Breeze. I mean, we have to try to figure out, can a quarterback into his age 43 season still hold value? He right now in Tampa Bay, the quarterback 12. And then Aaron Rodgers, he's got Devontae Adams and a, and a cast of very, very sketchy receivers to work with. He's not even being drafted as a quarterback one anymore. He's quarterback 13. How do yeah. you sort through this group? Uh, this is what I'm calling my quarterback dead zone this year. Uh, like you said, a lot of quarterbacks um, that are up there in age, a lot of quarterbacks that have fallen off in efficiency, um, except for Drew Brees, and then a lot of quarterbacks that don't run. Um, starting backwards from the guys that uh, I don't like, we've seen Aaron Rodgers' efficiency, both touchdown rate, uh, yards per attempt, however you want to chop it up, not just last year, the last two years, uh, really fallen off, and they did nothing to help him, obviously, like you mentioned. Tom Brady, the obvious argument with Tom Brady uh, is that he didn't have weapons last year in New England. Now he has probably maybe the best weapons he's ever had um, in his career outside of maybe his Randy Moss year. And even then it was like, um, I think Moss and, and Welker are not like as deep as he has now. But the argument that Brady didn't have the weapons last year, his accuracy fell off a cliff. If you look at any any way you break it down, I broke it down um, on passes zero to 10 yards, 10 to 15, 15 to 20 and 20 plus sports info solutions on target percentage. Brady was uh, bottom 10, uh, no matter how you chopped it up. So he wasn't even like putting the ball on his receivers, regardless of how good they were. That's obviously a huge problem. And then uh, this offense is just going to be more conservative with Brady. You're not going to have Jameis throwing it all over the field. Uh, Brady hasn't been throwing it deep. And like I said, hasn't been throwing it deep effectively when he does. So that makes me really nervous um, about Mike Evans. Godwin probably is going to get the volume, but like how many touchdowns does this offense score, uh, especially if Brady is is washed? Um, and then you got Gronk there and Brady loving the throw to running back. So could be a really con- should be a really conservative offense. Carson Wentz is the guy that stands out to me here. Uh, he, again, I, I think people are starting to catch on to the idea that I love rushing upside. Uh, 62 rushes last year uh, has that 65 to 70 rush potential. And if you look at, again, going back to efficiency, that's what we want to be looking for with quarterbacks. Him and Dak Prescott are kind of the same player. And I know people don't like that. Like they're the, especially them both being in the NFC East, people like to argue who's better. I think they're kind of the same and you're getting Carson Wentz as the quarterback 12 or 13 where Dak um, is going as a quarterback three or four since coming into the league, basically identical yards per attempt, adjust yards per attempt, actual identical touchdown rate. Uh, and Carson Wentz, I, I like this offense. Um, I like Zach Ertz. I like Dallas Goddard, Deshaun Jackson, uh, kind of similar to like we talked about with Will Fuller, maybe not healthy, but when he is, he's obviously going to stretch the field. Uh, and, and Jalen Rager, I think, is going to give this offense a nice little boost. I mean, people are nervous about uh, rookies, especially wide receivers, but uh, that athleticism at the very least is, is going to help Wentz. So if I'm not getting those top seven quarterbacks that we talked about, uh, I'm hoping that everybody, everybody goes by ADP or goes by ECR. And if I'm in a 12-team league, uh, Wentz is still sitting there to take whenever I want. Carson Wentz, a 2020 target for TJ Hernandez. We're talking to the DFS director for 4 Before Football and getting his picks, pans, opinions, facts, all this good stuff as we navigate the quarterback position. We didn't talk about Stafford much in that segment. What do we do with this guy? He was playing unbelievable football, new new system. He's, he's got a couple of really good receivers, especially Kenny Galladay, who's got star mm-hmm. quality. Maybe maybe TJ Hawkinson is ready for a step forward. God knows the, the Lions have had trouble negotiating a running game, it seems like, forever. Uh, but 
know, Stafford is, is coming off a major injury. He's got some health issues going on right now. Is he somebody you'd be comfortable with targeting at his current ADP? Yeah, for sure. Um, assuming a 10 or a 12 team league, like he's, he's going to be there as the last quarterback if you want him. Um, you aren't going to be able to get a rushing quarterback all the time uh, just because there's only a finite number of those guys. So let's say we're in a situation where we just talked about uh, it kind of goes by ADP, but Carson Wentz goes, someone's really high on Carson Wentz. He goes as the eight or nine. I'm again, I'm passing on that quarterback dead zone, the breeze, the Brady, uh, the Rogers area and waiting to be the last guy to get Stafford. Because if you can't get that rushing upside, what you're looking for is efficiency. And Matthew Stafford was insanely efficient last year. Uh, and a lot of people might look at it and say, well, that's an outlier year. Um, he's never been that efficient before. He's also never had Daryl Bevel before. And Daryl, Daryl Bevel let him throw, uh, deep, really, uh, really maximize what Kenny Galladay, Marvin Jones do well. Um, and maybe we'll see this year also TJ Hawkinson. And then another thing that Matthew Stafford has liked to do throughout his career and hasn't always had the opportunity to is throw to running backs. Uh, DeAndre Swift, I think, is going to be a running back that Matthew Stafford is able to throw to. And, and I don't know if he's really had a weapon like this since Javid Best. And unfortunately, Javid Best wasn't uh, able to stay healthy. But when he was on the field, he was extremely explosive with Stafford throwing him the ball. So I like Stafford's weapons. I like him under Daryl Bevel. And I think he can, uh, obviously not the hyper efficiency that he saw last year, but can maintain pretty high efficiency. And the great thing about being the last guy to draft a quarterback in your league is whatever, just drop and stream. And you're not worried about it at that point. Yeah, some of the guys that maybe you'll be streaming or, or grabbing in thinner leagues, this next tier has a bunch of, I think, plausible upside, but almost no floor. Daniel Jones <laughs> yeah. did some good things as a rookie. It felt like he fumbled every third snap. Some really nice pieces to work with in this Giants offense. Of course, you also have to dance with Jason Garrett, which could be a little yeah. bit risky. Ben Roethlisberger off a red shirt year. A lot of interesting pieces in that offense, although it's kind of hard to know who Juju Smith-Schuster is right now. Mm -hmm. But at least plausible upside is certainly present there. Cam Newton goes to New England. Uh, shoulder hasn't been right for a couple of years. He's still pretty young. I feel like he's kind of an old 30, but... You know, maybe they can they can get something cooking with him with the Patriots, although I really don't like the skill talent here. And if I'll skip down a little bit, he's not the next person on the list. But Baker Mayfield, mm. it was just a year ago that everybody was in love with the Browns. They still have Beckham. They still have Landry. They, they just invested in a tight end in Hooper that maybe they didn't even need because I think David Njoku is a pretty good tight end, too. And they have backs who can catch the, the ball, especially Hunt. So I think a lot of good pieces there. Maybe they just finally got rid of a coaching staff that was in over its head. So let's focus on Jones, Roethlisberger, Newton, and Baker Mayfield. Any interest in these guys? Uh, obviously love Cam because of the rushing upside, but uh, it just it, it's really hard to know what to expect or, or I mean, even how healthy he is. Like, uh, th there's been some whispers in New England that there's going to be a quarterback competition. I don't buy it. I think Cam goes into week one as the clear starter. Um, but how healthy can he stay? And, I mean, people want to, like, hate Josh Allen for being inaccurate. Like, Cam and Josh Allen might be the closest comps if we look mm -hmm. at those types of quarterbacks. Like, Cam's never been accurate, uh, never been that efficient of a passer. Uh, his, his completion percentage spiked a little bit in 2018, but even in his MVP season uh, was that sub-60% completion guy. So, like, you're, you're not going to get hyper-efficiency out of Cam Newton's arm. And, I mean... Go back to Tom Brady. If if you didn't like what Tom Brady had as weapons last year, like how are you going to boost up Cam Newton? Uh, 
I mean, the other guys, Baker is really interesting to me just because of the reason you stated. I do like chasing, not chasing, but uh, targeting these post-hype sleepers. Uh, maybe I like the pass catchers a little bit more. The concern in this offense is Kevin Stefanski. He was crazy run-heavy in Minnesota. Like, was that a function of uh, of of him not actually being in charge? Is he going to open it up a little bit more with his team? That's the big question mark there. Uh, but, I mean, Cam Newton's probably the guy that stands out to me just because he can legit rush for 10 touchdowns. And, and the Steelers, I think, they're just a huge question mark. Um, I mean, you talk about we don't know how healthy Cam is and him coming off the injury. Like, what if Ben Roethlisberger's arm is just done? Like, he, if he can't stay on the field, this offense is a bottom three offense again like they were last year. Uh, so, I mean, I know they're kind of like a, a trendy offense, especially with uh, players like Deontay Johnson and uh, and James Connors kind of like picking up steam as as a a running back to draft if you don't get one of the early guys. But uh, there, there's a lot of risk in that offense. So, I mean, in that tier, Cam Newton just because of the rushing upside, but again, kind of similar thought process. If you're in a one-quarterback league, like you're – you're hope you're hoping you get the guy that uh, that can be a starter, but you need to be able to pull a trigger really fast, even if it's after week one on dropping these guys if you draft them. Right, absolutely, they have to have the shortest leash. I just want to talk really quickly about the Pittsburgh offense, just expand upon what you said. I feel like there's an incredibly wide range of outcomes. I, I could see this being a top five offense. I could see this being an offense that ruins fantasy seasons. Mm-hmm. If I had to, and I know everything isn't binary in fantasy, but if I had to put you on the spot and just and just go in or out on the Steelers' offense, which way do you lean? I'm going to lean in. Um, I just I, the AFC is pretty wide open uh, after after the Ravens um, and the Chiefs. Um, they're not in a division outside of the Ravens that's that's necessarily going to um, restrict their upside. And if Roethlisberger is help, healthy, uh, one thing that I, I think kind of flies under the radar. When Randy Fickner took over, Pittsburgh just all of a sudden became this insanely uh, pass-heavy team. Todd Haley left there. They're pretty balanced. And then in 2018, they were first in neutral pass percentage. And going into the season, a lot of um, it's really hard to like nail down what coach speak is is good to listen to and what beat writers you should listen to or like what's fluff. But going into the season, there was a lot of beat writers saying. As soon as Randy Fickner took over, players in the locker room were saying Ben is going to be able to do whatever he wants. He owns this guy. And sure enough, they did nothing but throw in 2018. And I think that carries over into 2020. Step down uh, another tier and look at some of these guys. A lot of boring, probably acceptable, super flex second quarterbacks, people you may be streaming when you're in a pinch during bye weeks. Uh, Ryan Tannehill, look, he just had the best season he's ever going to have. Mm-hmm. We, we know there's nowhere to go but down after that YPA. Still takes too many sacks. A.J. Brown, uh, an up-and-coming star in this passing game, but I don't know much else that we can like downfield there. And look, they want to win with defense and, and running the ball. I just yeah. feel like Tannehill has a very modest upside. Sneaky athletic. Remember, he was a receiver in college. He's not afraid to tuck it in and, and, and run a touchdown, so maybe you'll get two to four rushing touchdowns. But I feel like Tannehill's ceiling is fairly capped. Jared Goff, look, it wasn't that long ago that we always thought the Rams were the future of offense. Sean McVay, there's been a couple of changes. Uh, obviously, they got rid of Cooks. They got rid of Gurley. We saw late last season Tyler Higby had a splashy final month of the of the year. I think it was the tight end one over the last five weeks of the season. So it feels like this offense is in a state of flux, and, and Goff is probably probably just probably closer to the league average than ever really being a true superstar. I'm curious to see what Joe Burrow can do. I, I wish he was coming into the league at a different time where he'd have more reps, but I love Tyler Boyd. I think Joe Mixon's a good back. I, I'm not 
particularly high on AJ Green, but at least I can see the uh, the possibility of if he's on the field, he's still a plus player. I, I think they just have a lot of fun guys to throw to here. So I, I think Burrow could be an interesting guy. And then you have the boring vanillas uh, like Kirk Cousins, like Jimmy Garoppolo. These are not proactive picks for me, but if you were in a super flex league, they'd be perfectly reasonable as a quarterback too. Or if you had them in the right matchup, I mean, at least Garoppolo has Shanahan. It, you know, at least Cousins has, I think, a, a fairly sturdy floor. He just, I don't think, has any upside. Anybody in particular in this group catch your eye? Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is interesting to me. Um, if I'm in a super flex league or, or uh, like early season streaming, uh, Niners defense is not going to be as good as they were last year. Even over the second half of the year last year, they really struggled against quarterbacks. And I think that division could be the new NFC South. Uh, the NFC West could be like the sneaky shootout division. So there could be mm-hmm. some high scoring games there. Uh, I, I like Jimmy G uh, for that reason. Jared Goff, you kind of touched on everything that I feel about Jared Goff. Kind of the same uh, thought process with Garoppolo. Just I think there could be a lot of, a lot of back and forth in that division. Uh, one guy that you didn't mention is Gardner Minshew. Um, oh, love Gardner Minshew. Yeah, he was he was sixth in rushes among quarterbacks last year. Uh, only quarterback with over sixty rushes that didn't score at least rushing one rushing touchdown. Everyone with more rushes than him scored at least three touchdowns and three of those guys scored at least seven touchdowns. Um, I don't know if Jacksonville is an offense uh, that's going to produce many scores, but if you have a quarterback that can um, account for a percentage of those with his legs, and then they're going to get some through the air, assuming he could stay on the field. Um, he's going to be a streaming guy or like a really, really solid quarterback too. Like, he can hop a lot of these boring guys and be like a quarterback 13, 14. Like I wouldn't be surprised to see him hop Roethlisberger. You mentioned Tannehill. I'm low on that Tennessee offense. Kind of like, sounds like you are Um, Sam Darnold, Phillip Rivers, Teddy Bridgewater. Like there's a scenario where Garner Minshew outpaces all of those guys and ends up as like the quarterback 13. Yeah. I'm so glad you mentioned that other than the fact that you took away my reveal, because when we, <laughs> when we went to the the rest of the field, I, I was going to say that Minshew is, is the, the quarterback going undrafted in leagues or going in the final round of leagues where I, I think he could jump 10 to 12 spots. I, yeah. This Jacksonville defense, we know how short windows are in the NFL. It wasn't that long ago. They were in the AFC championship game. They had the Patriots mm-hmm. backed in a corner with one of the best defenses in the league. And yeah. that defense is, doesn't exist anymore. It's been dismantled. Most Fast. of the guys aren't on the team anymore. And you know, I love the point you made also with Garoppolo that defense just doesn't translate year to year. It's not mm-hmm. a sticky year to year. So you look at as great as the Niners defense was last year, you just have to expect major regression. I, I think there's actually a spillover for that for fantasy too. People, I think people a lot of times draft fantasy defenses and say, oh, this defense carried me last year. Look how valuable they were. I That stuff is almost never applicable year in, year out. It, it just isn't sticky. It doesn't, it doesn't have um, anything you can hang your hat on there. So I think that's a, a case, a point in the favor of Garoppolo. And, of course, Kyle Shanahan certainly doesn't hurt. I sure wish Debo Samuel were healthy right now. We'll see how quickly he can get back on the field. But you Minshew, man, they drafted him as depth. They de- drafted mm-hmm. him as a project. They certainly didn't expect that he would start last year. He started most of the season, 21 touchdowns, six interceptions, a rushing component to his game. And even though I'm not sure how good the skill guys are, I love DJ Chark. Yeah. And maybe if you could just have a star in Chark, which I think he is, and then if maybe somebody else pops here. They have some young receivers, so we'll see what else emerges here. Remember last year, they, could, they couldn't buy a rushing touchdown for Fournette. Fournette right. ironically stayed on the field, but I mean, he, he couldn't get in the end zone with a ticket. 
I think they could be playing on that Tampa Bay style from last year. Again, they don't have the great receivers that Tampa Bay did in mass, but you know, behind 30 to 10, Minshew's playing with his hair on fire, not afraid to run. They're playing up-tempo in the second half. He is, if you're in the super flex or if you lose your quarterback in week one, I mean, I, I just think Gardner Minshew, I have a feeling there's enough plausible upside. I think he's going to be like in all the waiver columns, like in the first or second week yeah. of the season. I mean, they, they have Chris Thompson, who's going to take targets away from Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette was mm-hmm. an efficient pass catcher. Chris Th- Thompson hasn't been able to stay healthy. But when he has, he's been one of the best uh, uh, pass catching backs in the league. And he's going to be under Jay Gruden. Jay Gruden and him yep. are familiar. That's probably not a coincidence. Another thing that's flying under the radar, I mean, I know this guy, like, he was great a while ago, but Tyler Eifert's a Jaguar now. If he can stay on the field, he's one of the best red zone targets in the league. Can he stay on the field? Who knows? But it gives Minshew a target in the red zone where his receiver is after G.J. Shark, like you said. Who knows? A couple of other guys I just want to touch on briefly. I've let go of the upside of Teddy Bridgewater a while ago, but Mm -hmm. hey, I love McCaffrey. I love D.J. Moore. I'm not ready to quit Curtis Samuel. I think this this is going to be the, one of the youngest defenses in the league. I don't think they're going to stop anybody. I just wonder if the tide of good things around Teddy Bridgewater are too strong for him not to be at least fantasy useful. I don't know what to do with Sam Darnold. He's still younger than Joe Burrow, I think. I mean, he came into the league at, at such a young age. Last year, he got mono. It, it ruined you know four or five weeks of the season. Nobody seems to like Adam Gase. I think the skill guys here are okay. I wouldn't say they're great. I still think Sam Darnold, he's one of those guys, I think we may look back and think, wish he was drafted by a different team. Maybe he'll mm-hmm. go to a new organization at some point or, or get a different offensive voice in his ear and we'll see his potential spike. I, I'm just curious in, in the deeper formats, Bridgewater, Darnold, I, I could throw Derek Carr in there, who I've never really liked, but they, they haven't drafted a lot of receivers, a lot of talented guys. Uh, anything there catch your eye? I'm not putting any stock in the Jets or the Raiders offense. Uh, Panthers, I think, are a little bit interesting for the reason you mentioned. Teddy Bridgewater, uh, the the popular analysis on him is that he hasn't pushed the ball down the field. Um, it seems that maybe that was a function of the Saints system, at least last year. Uh, him and Drew Brees' average depth of target was almost identical. But even going back to his days in Minnesota, uh, Teddy Bridgewater has always had a pretty shallow depth of target. One interesting thing with the Panthers is Joe Brady, the offensive coordinator who came orchestrated that LSU offense. Um, now he has, like he had an LSU receivers that could really stretch the field. Does he open it up a little bit for Teddy Bridgewater? Uh, I, I think there are enough weapons there to make Teddy Bridgewater a usable fantasy quarterback. Um, He's not going to turn into a plug-and-play quarterback. There are just too many options ahead of him. But um, if you're in a really deep league, even if it's not a super flex league, um, but you need to play quarterback by committee because everybody's drafting a backup, I'd probably push Teddy up my rankings just to make sure I get him as a QB too. Like If I'm drafting him as like the QB 16, that might seem egregious, but I'd rather have him as one of my quarterback by committee or streamers than not in a really deep league. Let's have a quick comment on Drew Locke, only because I love all the skill talent in Denver, but I have no idea if he's any good. <laughs> um, can my answer be the same as yours? Like, sure, I, absolutely. I, I mean, they we haven't, we just don't have a sample yet, really. Um, I like their weapons too um and i do like relying or betting on talent and and athleticism which they have from their past catchers now um but just do they let all these young guys uh rip it loose in the first year i have drafted a lot of best ball leagues and i'm close to way over 50 close to 75 and i don't think i have a share of drew lock yet 
Yeah, that's going to be the next thing I wanted to touch on is I'm going to put you on the spot. Let's talk about maybe three quarterbacks you think you'll be overweight on when the draft season is over and maybe three guys that you don't think at the current price you're going to you're going to roster at all. Yeah, um, the the three quarterbacks that I will have the most of are um, Cam Newton, Carson Wentz, and Josh Allen. Cam Newton strictly for his price, Carson Wentz, um, and and Josh Allen for uh, the reasons that we discussed. I mean, Josh Allen's a seventh quarterback in a tier that of seven quarterbacks that I think have overall QB1 um, in their range of outcomes and quarterbacks that I just won't have. Uh, Brady is number one. Um, and then I would probably put uh, Aaron Rodgers and then another guy. I, I I guess Breeze just because he's like in that tier of quarterbacks that are being drafted to starters and I'd rather stream. Um, but really it's it's Brady and Aaron Rodgers by a lot um, and then Breeze just because of, of situation and price. And maybe I'm overrating this factor, but it's so frustrating to have Breeze on your team and then to, here's they're at the goal line. Here's Taysom Hill coming on the field. Yeah. I, 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 it's not like Hill's going to gonna have 11 touchdowns or something, but it just drives me crazy that you have a walk-in Hall of Famer and you can't wait to get him off the field because Sean Payton, <laughs> yeah. as much as he's a great offensive designer, there's just that vanity there. He wants you to know that it's his playbook, right? Uh, the Taysom Hill thing, it's frustrating for me with Breeze. In the case of Brady, I mean, he's going into his age 43 season and yeah. never bet on somebody – it just comes to a point where it's just safer. He's a new team. We don't know how he's going to adjust. I think Tampa Bay, and I'm going to miss the James Winston experience. It was fun it for was fantasy, fun. right? But I think what Tampa Bay wants to do now, they have a defense they feel pretty good about. I think they're just asking Brady, if they could get like 25 touchdowns and six interceptions from Brady, yes. I think they would take that. And that, for fantasy, really doesn't help us. Yeah, that's that's the problem with Breeze to a lesser extent, but Brady, Breeze, and even Aaron Rodgers, like if they outperform their ADP, it's going to be by a couple spots. Like I just don't see them finishing as as top five guys. So like, what's the point of drafting a quarterback in that area? Like psychologically, I don't care what anybody says, 95% of drafters, if they spend the quarterback eight ADP price on a player, they're going to have a really hard time dropping that guy not starting him, let alone dropping him. And I think you need to be able to cut bait with the quarterback really quickly because it is so deep. Um, so why spend the draft capital? And let me throw something back at you, curiously. Okay. Uh, you, met, you mentioned Taysom Hill. He's listed as a tight end in some leagues. Mm. Can he be a tight end streamer like early in the season? You know, I if think... you're really in a, if, if backed into a corner, you just dra- ignored it in the draft. I've just found myself talking myself into like the tight end 11, tight end 13, tight end 15. I'm never at a point in a draft where I can't find a tight end that interests me. Yeah. So I'm going to lean towards no, but yeah, that just speaks to look. One of the fundamental things of fantasy is know your rules. Know if any players have unusual eligibility. I yeah. remember in Yahoo, um, Marcus Colston was a tight end eligible player his <laughs> yep, rookie years. Yep. That, that kind of broke fantasy. Uh, I think it's important to know that it may be available to you. I need to be talked into that. I need yeah. to see maybe his usage or snap count early in the season. So I won't be proactive on that, and maybe I'll yeah. miss out on it. But I think at least it speaks to people should be aware of that and see if they can find anything going there. We've been talking to TJ Hernandez today. He's one of my my favorite follows in the industry, TJ Hernandez on Twitter, 4 for 4 Football. Going to be a partner with Yahoo this, yeah, this year. We've already started to do some stuff. I'm thrilled about that. TJ let our listeners know what you're up to right now. Yeah, um, everything that I'm doing, you could find uh, right now at 444. Find me at 
at TJ Hernandez. Uh, we've been rolling out a ton of best ball content, including looking at leagues on Yahoo. Um, I've been doing uh, redraft and best ball content all season. Uh, just put out a, a big uh, Twitter thread, just going over a lot of the players we discussed today, some other players and situations. And now that it's August, we'll be transitioning a little bit more uh, to DFS, which is um, my main bread and butter. We already started up the DFS MVP podcast at 4 for 4, looking at some best ball tournaments and also looking at uh, more general DFS strategy. And then uh, now in August, I'll, I'll have um, at least three DFS articles on Yahoo, getting you ready for the season. Uh, Yahoo DFS, which uh, I've really grown to love. And then um, don't have the official plan yet, but you'll be seeing uh, my byline on some articles in season on the Yahoo site. So I'm, I'm really excited for that. And the 4 for 4 and Yahoo uh, team together, it's, it's going to be a fun season. Fantastic. Yeah, so much good content there. And we, we can't wait to have it on the Yahoo site as well. Again, you know, check out the guys at 4 for 4 and check out TJ at TJ Hernandez. If you like podcasts like the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast, uh, remember I po- host the Yahoo Fantasy Baseball Podcast on Mondays, the Yahoo Sports NFL Podcast with Charles Robinson and Therese Taylor. It's outstanding. The Yahoo Sports College Podcast, Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and uh, Pat Forty, who's our, our, our former friend from Yahoo, now at SI. Those guys, the WTF podcast has been very popular for years. Follow me on Scott underscore Pianowski. Yahoo Fantasy is your fo- Yahoo Fantasy follow on Twitter. Tomorrow, Andy Behrens, Denny Carter, they're talking all things running back. We know how important that position is in fantasy. For TJ Hernandez, from my producer, Ragu, keeping us on the air and sounding great, I'm Scott Pianowski. I'll be back for another football podcast next week. Until then... Keep drafting well. Get yourself some Gardner Minshew. We'll talk to you soon. It's no secret that our world has been interrupted. A World Interrupted is a daily podcast telling stories of coronavirus and its impact on the economy. So subscribe today on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.